0: Hey, everyone. Jared here. Just wanted to let you know ahead of time that this week's episode deals with some potentially sensitive or triggering themes, including pornography, addiction, and grief. Now, though we feel that these topics are vital to this specific Kajabi hero's journey, we wanted to make sure that you are aware ahead of time in case you felt that this particular episode might not be the best fit for you or anyone in the room listening. With that said, we hope you enjoy the show.
1: Here at Kajabi, we are known for one thing, helping everyday people like you build successful businesses online. With our simple all-in-one platform, we've paved the way for over 100,000 people to create 300,000 products and collectively earn over $3.9 billion in revenue. And we've created the Kajabi Edge podcast to inspire, educate, and empower you to do the same. So unlike other podcasts that highlight the glory stories of today's most successful entrepreneurs we're bringing you the real stories from real people who have created real success to give you the online business edge you need to succeed in today's digital marketplace so if you're someone who's looking to start an online business allow us to be the first to welcome you home to the kajabi family
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast, where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you the online business edge you need to succeed on Kajabi. I'm your host, Jared Lohman, Vice President of Customer Experience. And today we are joined by Drew Boa, founder of Husband Material. How is it going today, Drew?
1: Swimmingly. It's great. (laughs)
0: <laughs> ah, I the, the word that I almost accidentally said before, and you you use it against me. Uh, well, now that we're recording, I love it. <laughs> um, well, as swimmingly as it is going today, let's let's give our listeners just the usual rundown, kind of your elevator pitch on who you are and what is husband material.
1: Yeah, my name is Drew Boa, and I help men outgrow pornography and become sexually, emotionally, spiritually mature and become husband material, whether or not you're a husband, whether you're single or married, you want to be husband material. And that's what this is all about.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's actually the best and probably shortest elevator pitch I've heard. I was like, I was waiting for the, waiting for the finale, but that that's perfect. Um, well, I guess let's just go back to the beginning of this story. Um, well, we usually like to kind of go into just, uh, especially like your career path too, since, you know, we're, our listeners are, um, oftentimes people who are maybe not yet take, maybe haven't taken the leap into entrepreneurship le- uh, yet. So uh, can you take us on that journey for you, like in terms of your career um, and how this came to be?
1: Yeah, well, it started when I was a teenager in high school and I decided that I wanted to stop using pornography and I felt totally powerless and unable to do that. It was really scary for me. And as I got older, I got into some support groups, which were really bad. They were based in purity culture. You were asked in the group to share your lustimony, as they called it, and it was really cringeworthy. However, it gave me a place to talk about these things. It gave me a place where I could make friends who were on the same journey and support each other. So that's what I really took away from it and loved it. And because the curriculum was so bad, I wanted to create my own. And and there wasn't a lot out there at the time. This was back in 2011. And so in school and in grad school, I focused on wanting to create a better, healthier, deeper set of resources for people who were in my position wanting to become sexually healthy and, and wanting to heal, but just not having the place to do that.
0: Got it. And so this, uh, I guess just uh, in terms of jobs and like what were you, did you do this entirely uh, throughout your journey as a student or did you ever have a day job?
1: It was my volunteer passion. I had day jobs as a camp counselor, as a church leader, as an after school teacher. But in the end, I cared so much about this. I wanted to write a book and I quit my job. My parents supported me while I did that. And then eventually I got married and became a stay-at-home dad. So for two and a half years and the beginning of my journey as an entrepreneur, I was pushing a stroller with a sleeping baby while taking online courses about marketing on my phone and trying to figure out how how can I help people? Because I wasn't considering going back to school. I wasn't going to travel and speak. I wasn't going to go get certified as a counselor or a therapist, and I certainly wasn't going to write another book after my first one. So I was like, how can I help people? Well, I have a phone, I have a laptop, and I have child care for a few hours a week. So that's when I started dreaming and I started having a really, really immature yet essential starting point for what would later become husband material.
0: Let's let's just drill down into that even further. Uh, I I want to know, like, how you got from idea to uh, a lot of a lot of times we talk about just the first dollar, um, you know, and I, I, I understand just hearing just the little bit I've heard so far that this was obviously driven by a very Personal passion, um, but of course, the business aspect of this is is important too. Uh, can you take us through the like the fa- phases, or maybe like how it transitioned from passion to uh, something that ultimately would provide an income for you?
1: Well, for seven years, I did this work for free, just meeting with other men who were part of my small groups. I was leading groups. I was meeting with individuals and just wanting to help. Just wanting to be a mentor, somebody who was a little bit further along in my journey, although I had many ups and downs along the way. And eventually I found out about this thing called coaching. I was like, oh, what's that? Maybe you don't have to be a counselor or a therapist to help people and make a living while doing so. And so I learned more about that. Found out about this platform called Zoom. This is like in 2018 when Zoom wasn't universal after COVID, <laughs> sure. it, it was actually a big deal. Like, oh, wow, this video conferencing platform is really smooth and and easy to use. So in 2018, I found out about coaching and decided to put myself out there and had my first couple clients. First client was in Japan. We had a huge time zone difference and uh, started really small, charging, gosh, just a, a fifth of what I charge now. And learning as I went, I, I got some certifications. I I became trained as a pastoral sex addiction professional. And so some of those titles really helped me. I, I had more of a spiritual background and I wanted to learn more of the clinical psychology um, in order to provide better help and also heal more myself. So that training allowed me to have more tools and and more professional capabilities. And then in 2019, I really wanted to start the business. But we had some problems specifically we had my second child and found out that he wasn't going to live very long so he had a condition called anencephaly which means that his skull didn't properly form and i delayed the business by a year just because that life event was so devastating needed to grieve needed to just be for a while took a few months off and eventually i i came back to it and started a podcast started my own little community, which was (laughs) barely anything at that point. And, And in 2020, when COVID happened, my business all of a sudden took off because a lot more people were struggling and they were open to online solutions. So that combination ended up working out really well for me. And ever since then, it's been able to support my family.
0: Well, a lot of, lot of depth, uh, to that story that you've shared. I've thought of so many different things I want to dig in on that it's, it's almost hard for me to pick. Um, uh, first of all, it just goes without saying, like, it's incredibly sorry for that loss. I can only imagine, uh, the impact that that had on you and your family. Um, no words to, um, you know, do it justice. Um, I, I I'm really interested, I guess, even going back to the, to the beginning when you first threw out that coaching o- offer. And if I can go maybe a little bit hardball, but I guess it's not hardball for you. Cause you, you talk about this, this is your topic. Like, but first thing that comes to mind to me is like, what does it take to come out Is like, like by starting a business in this, this category, and even by helping and supporting, it's like, like the closest parallel I can think of is like, you know, substance abuse or addiction to in any, any form. Like you have to, the level of vulnerability that, you know, you have to have to have in order to put yourself out there is pretty incredible. Like, especially considering that, like, you know, you started first with just your personal journey. It wasn't like, you know, you had the, you know, the psychology background where you're just like the person in the chair who's read the books about it. Like (laughs) you were going from your own experience. So can you like, just help us understand one, like uh, how you put yourself out there and and how you overcame that hurdle and then two I think the the additional layer of complexity is without those credentials how did you get get the credibility you needed to get people to start listening to the things that you had to say
1: yeah what gave me the confidence and the credibility to get started was my own life experience so at that point when I got started I think it had three or four years. Uh, freedom from pornography. And that's pretty significant. I mean, most of the people who are looking for help um, are struggling month to month or maybe even week to week. So the concept of being free for a year or multiple years is, is almost unfathomable for them. And so that was a big part of why I knew I had something special, because I had been able to sustain a level of freedom that many people who are struggling think is impossible. I think another thing is that I didn't just have a level of behavior. I also had a sense of being free from the struggle. Like it wasn't a battle for me anymore. It, it wasn't uh, constant stress. I, I wasn't always frustrated or exhausted with trying to fight my urges. Rather, I was able to enjoy my sexuality. I was able to actually express and enjoy intimacy without letting this other stuff get in the way and so that that level of experience is is what qualified me as a coach rather than a piece of paper saying okay this person passed the test or or some kind of authority based on based on accomplishments I think for coaching and and for being an expert in general people want results they want to know like what has actually happened in your life are, are you somebody I want to imitate and if I want to become more like you then it makes sense to Go through whatever your process is.
0: I want to know, like, what 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 would you say was the the biggest challenge associated with getting, uh, whether it was getting getting just putting this out there, or even just getting up and running and like turning this into um, a, I say this in air quotes because most people are listening; they're not seeing it, but like a true business, um, if you will.
1: Probably fear and insecurity. Yeah, it's so easy to give up, even before. Getting started. And I wasn't sure if this would actually work. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, I had a backup plan in case husband material failed. I was ready to be a stay at home dad for the rest of my life or to go out and get a different job. Thankfully, I hung on just long enough to see it begin to grow.
0: I think that persistence is such a common factor. You know, we are. Uh, I'm just going to go with this. We're not quite there yet, but we're on the edge of a hundred episodes on this podcast. And yes, (laughs) that, that, that persistence factor is so crucial. So key for anyone who's just starting out. Um, eh, you know, the people, the people who give up are the ones who never make it. And of course is the, you know, the Gretzky quote, you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. Um, a little cliche and overused, but it's so true. It's so true in this world.
1: Yeah. And my first year, I lost money, didn't have to pay very many taxes because I wasn't making very much money at all. Second year, my business basically broke even. It wasn't until the third year that I actually made money and then finally was able to support my family in like years four and five. Now it's doing really well. But I mean, those first two years were years where I was working really hard. I believed in this uh, with all my heart, yet the results weren't there yet. I think that's really normal. There's a huge gap between putting in the work and actually reaping the rewards.
0: Can we talk a little bit about what that what that work looked like and maybe where you where you started? I know you had a you had some coaching conversations, but what did that look like? What did most of that work involve creating a product of some sort? Did that involve uh, sales and marketing? Uh, Where did you spend your efforts during those early
1: days? In the early days, part of the work was just meeting with people, having some first few introductory free sessions to see if I might be a good fit to work with people who I knew already. Then a lot of the work was learning, educating myself. Kajabi's online courses actually helped me tremendously. There was a Kajabi offer that included Expert's Academy by Brennan Burchard. So I went through that whole thing, the thought leader roadmap, and now you guys have this incredible library uh, you, I went through Marketing Mastery. Now I'm taking some of the other courses on email marketing and memberships. And Kajabi actually was one of the the biggest educators for me and, and helped me figure out how to do this whole online marketing thing because I was... Pushing a stroller with a sleeping baby inside, with my earphones and listening to kajabi courses.
0: <laughs> I love the I love the visual that that gives. Uh, I, we've we've definitely heard similar stories, but I think this is the first time it's been a stay at home dad, which I, I love um, and love to hear that these resources have been impactful for you. Uh, one of the things that really stands out to me in terms of just a unique challenge that you may face in this space. Uh, is similar to the challenge that like that you would encounter just by coming out yourself. Your audience also kind of faces the exact same situation to where it's like in order to partake of your services and your products, I also have to admit that I've got an issue that needs to be addressed. Do you find that to be, you know, is is there there any challenges associated just with that? I guess that fear factor from your customer base as well.
1: Yes. So I found that because of, The deep shame that my customers often feel about their struggles and the behavior that they want to change. Certain platforms just aren't a good fit. Like Facebook and Instagram are not always safe for people to to have really vulnerable, deep conversations. YouTube is another place that can be very triggering uh, because the video content that you may see is tailored to you. And if you've struggled with, trying to stop watching certain video content, then that platform is not a good fit. However, podcasting has been wonderful because it's not visual. It avoids a lot of the triggers that my audience deals with. And because it's so anonymous, it provides an added level of safety and feeling like this is a a low risk to engage.
0: I love that. Let's I'd love to actually just Talk a little bit more about the podcast. I Before I uh, derailed and took us back in time, you were kind of leading into that, uh, the start of the podcast. Uh, did that ultimately become your, I guess, your source for audience building?
1: Yeah, that's been my main top of funnel marketing outreach is through podcasting. It builds a lot of trust when you listen to someone for 30 minutes to an hour, once a week for a year or two years. I often find that many of my private clients feel like they already know me because they've been listening for a year or two. Now, imagine if I had given up after a few months, uh, would have cut that relationship short. So especially with a topic so sensitive and vulnerable, sometimes it takes a year or two before they feel ready to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So can you take us a little bit more on the journey of what that looked like? I mean, for you, how did it take a year of after starting the podcast before you started seeing people trickle in or, or when did when did the customers start to show up?
1: They really started to show up when I became a guest on the right podcast. I was a guest on a few different podcasts. But when I started my own podcast, then I became a more eligible guest. And there was one show that was just perfect. And my my whole schedule filled up because of that one show. I've been on many since then. it's hard to know what's gonna be the best fit, but when when it's the right audience and and the right timing, yeah getting on the right podcast was a huge boost for my own audience and for my business
0: and just to put that in perspective for anyone listening uh, can you give us a sense of the timeline did that happen I imagine that didn't happen after episode one that probably <laughs> came much further down the road
1: well it was about three months in so after three months, I probably had 300 podcast listeners per week. And then after getting on that show, it doubled, it jumped to 600. And now I just hit 5,000 listeners per week. So it's been amazing now, now that that bump of 300 listeners per week, barely, barely seems big at all uh, in comparison to back then. So when you're an online business and just starting out small is big, celebrate every chance you can.
0: Yes. Well, I, I want to know more about, um, so we've talked a little bit about how you started to acquire that audience. Once you have that audience, was it strictly just one-on-one coaching that you were selling at that point too? Or, or what did your, your suite of products look like?
1: Started out with just one-on-one coaching. And that was really important, not only to sharpen my skills, but also to get to know exactly what these guys need So that when later on I created a course, it was perfect for them. If I started out by creating a course without having a lot of experience with my clients, it wouldn't have resonated as much. So I started out just one-on-one. Then I led a few groups, which was helpful for scaling the amount I could make per hour a little bit, charging less, yet making more when having a group of six guys at a time, for example. And then after the groups, that's when I scaled to a course. and. I hired someone to help me create that program, sell it on a webinar, launched it, had 150 new students. And it was really exciting. We also, we also did these unique hot seat coaching calls where I'd be working with somebody one-on-one with an audience. And that's something I still do to this day. And it's really powerful, especially for this topic where it allows people to see someone else open up about his story. And then we all get a little bit of healing as a result. So one-on-one to groups, to course, to kind of scaling uh, hot seat coaching calls. And and I've also done some events, virtual retreats and some in-person retreats too. My next step now is to write a book and hopefully that will happen before too long. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I don't know if that's a teaser or a spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> but I guess, but before, before that, uh, d- you mentioned this earlier and I, and I'm ashamed. I don't know the answer to this, but did the first book actually happen or is this, this, is this is, this is the first book that may or may not
1: happen. This is the first book book. The first one that I wrote was a workbook. It was a small group workbook for college students called Redeem sexuality. And, so although it was published by a real publisher and, and it was awesome, it wasn't something that you're just going to sit down and read. It was more of an interactive workbook for groups. Whereas my next project is more of what you would think of as a book.
0: Got it. Got it. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, I won't I won't force you to reveal any uh, secrets if, uh, you know.
1: It's actually not much of a secret. I mean, after creating almost 200 podcast episodes and a course that I'm really proud of, there's more than enough content in there <laughs> that needs to be shared with the world, especially when you couple it with student success stories. There's, there's not a lot of surprises that are going to come in this book, uh, at least for people who've been following my audience, but I think it's the next step to share more of it with the world.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, uh, we'll be looking forward to hearing more about when that might be happening. Um, but I, I guess, uh, you know, take us a little bit through uh, your your process as you already did. You, you, it sounds like you, I guess, uh, Kajabi, you've used it from the beginning. Uh, was it the first place you looked, to, looked for to do this or did you explore other options?
1: I explored other options. Kajabi was the one that felt most authentic to me. It, it seemed like people are focused on courses, especially, and wanting to help people, the emphasis was not as much on making money or what felt like manipulative marketing techniques. It just seemed to me like the focus of Kajabi was more on creating an experience for students. And that's what drew me in from the beginning.
0: I love that. We hear that a lot, like that the, the, the student experience is the ultimate draw, which is, uh, you know, just the inside baseball, not necessarily something that I think has been a, a major driver inside. But so cool to, to hear uh, how many people uh, and I guess I'll just ask you uh, so many people actually hear about Kajabi because they took a course that was hosted on Kajabi. Was that the case for you or not for me? OK, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so how did you encounter it now that we've uh, gone down this hole?
1: I knew someone who was using it, okay. And so I asked him and went to the website, and and that was it. Kajabi is not the only tool that I use, sure. but it does accomplish the most purposes under one roof, which is another reason why I'm still a customer. I love it. It's it's yeah. It's nice to have everything in one place.
0: For sure, for sure. Well, uh, take us a little bit on the on the journey of course creation. T- tell us, I, I, I've i heard everything from six months to six years. Um, and I realized that as, as you've already shared, you know, the, the foundation or the content for your course was essentially maybe a hundred podcast episodes, several group coaching sessions and more. But um, take us a little bit through like what that process looked like for you. Any challenges that you encountered um, putting that together?
1: Well, first, I wanted to take the best of what I had learned from other experts. So reading was a big part of preparing to do my course and, and wanting to take what might be complicated in some of the more well-known books and make it really simple and make it as easy as possible for, for guys to start getting results. I think that's the value of a course so much. I mean, anybody can go out there and read, but to have a, an immersive experience that takes you through something step by step is is where a course provides a lot of value. And it did take me a few months, probably three months to start doing my course. And the reason why it took that long is because I forced myself to have the deadline by doing a pre-launch. So when, when I launched my course, it actually didn't exist yet. I only had two of the 12 units recorded. So I was recording new videos every week and unlocking them. So every week, a new unit would come out, and I had to stay ahead of the game by <laughs> by recording those videos. I had designed it all ahead of time, but in terms of actually recording it, editing it, uploading it, forcing myself to, to do that by creating deadlines really worked.
0: I love that. I- Tell any any tips for someone just getting like straight on actionable, like like what would you say, like anything you'd be do do differently just starting out? Would you change the order of operations? Would you would you start sooner? Like what 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 would you redo or what tips would you have for anyone else who is maybe sitting in your shoes?
1: I don't think I would do very much differently uh, because so much of what I was doing was figuring out what worked and then letting go of what didn't work. Certainly, it helped to have somebody else who was assisting me in this process. So I needed I needed to hire someone. One of the things that was really great is that the guy who I hired didn't ask for traditional pay structure. He asked to make 25% of what I made from my course up to a certain cap. And so he only got paid when I got paid. I paid him a little bit up front, but my success is what he was invested in because if i didn't succeed he wasn't going to succeed either so that worked wonderfully so that i knew that if this works then i'm going to pay what what it costs to to have a professional help me does that make sense
0: yeah i mean I, that that sounds like you you hit the holy grail if you will. <laughs> um how did how did you go about finding someone who was willing i mean someone obviously believed in your product
1: yeah one of my clients turns out to be a digital marketer and he referred me to a friend who specialized in webinars and courses so that's how i found him
0: <laughs> amazing well uh, can you take us through uh, i guess maybe if whatever you're willing to share once you once you finally launched that course expectations you had how did you like and did it did it live up to the expectations
1: the expectations i had were surpassed there were thousands of comments that were happening as guys were sharing their assignments i mean if you can imagine 150 men who are highly motivated to heal and break free from their brokenness oftentimes stemming from childhood coming into this course commenting on each other's work opening up about formative experiences and and even some of the details of their sexual fantasies i mean it was it was really tender And really transformational. So I did not expect to see the level of compassion that flowed between these men in an online setting. So even in a course, even in a comment section, they were giving and receiving love in such beautiful ways. So that surprised me. I also asked for a lot of feedback and I got it. So after a year, I updated the course based on all that feedback. One of the things I wish I had done differently is I wish I had charged for the update. Instead, I just gave it away for free to all my existing students, but I added a lot of value with the update, and that's carried forth to this day.
0: You, you've you've obviously you've you've came a long way from the point in which this was all just a you know something that maybe spoke to you personally. Uh, this is now up and running as a business real deal if you will you're writing about I guess you didn't say it I think you're writing a book <laughs> um can you tell us a little bit about like how has how this how has this impacted your life like did you ever see this did you you getting to this point
1: I did not imagine it would be as wonderful as it has been my wife was able to quit her job which was a huge gift to her and to my family i'm able to work from home i can go in and play with the little kids at lunchtime i can take time off when i need to. Work is mobile, it can travel with me. And as revenue has continued to increase, i can have a team and it doesn't all depend on me. So that's also been a huge blessing to be able to hire a director of care and support, even just part-time, that takes a lot of the pressure off me and it's a great life, man. I i can't imagine going back to a day job or or even working for someone else's company
0: what a what a shift and and certainly i love the stories where you know the motivation is maybe a, all of those are wonderful benefits but the motivation comes from something that provides such intrinsic value to yourself and hopefully ultimately helps the rest of the world as a result of the work that you've done curious, uh, just today, like how much, what is the biggest driver for you? Does it continue to be the, that, that heart of helping? Is it now a business that you're, you know, you've got to make the bottom line dollars. What keeps you pushing forward and keeps you building more for these, for for these people?
1: You know, I receive, messages a lot from guys who listen to the podcast and say, oh my gosh, I've never heard this before. Thank you so much. This is life changing. But what motivates me most of all these days is the ripple effects. When one man heals, when one man gets free from porn, uh, everybody who's close to him is also affected. Here's, Here's one comment from a wife whose husband attended one of my weekend retreats. She said, I don't know exactly what you guys did last weekend, but I have to tell you, our home is different. My husband is different. There's a lightness in the air and a joy in our daily life. I cannot adequately express in words how deeply grateful I am to you and your family for being a part of his healing journey. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. You have changed my husband's life, our marriage, and our family. Our home is full of hope because you have helped restore his soul. And that's what gets me going. That's why I'm still here
0: amazing. Well, I know you've already teased this out a little bit with the book, but um anything else that like we should be aware of in terms of anything on the horizon, like what's what is the next step for you?
1: I know you said it takes a lot of vulnerability. <laughs> <laughs> I am getting even more vulnerable. If you listen to the Husband Material podcast, even this next week, I'm going to share things that I've never shared publicly because I know that it's going to give others permission to be able to talk about their own secrets and some of their own dark places in their souls that they've not allowed themselves to deal with. So, you can expect even more vulnerability. As as much as I've already grown <laughs> in and practiced, I'm still growing in it. And even just today, I recorded a podcast episode interviewing my parents. Wow about some of my childhood experiences, and they're going to be on the show. They're going to be talking about what it looks like to heal as a family. So there's even more vulnerability. Stay tuned. Husband Material is getting even more vulnerable.
0: (laughs) Well, with that said, I think that's about the perfect segue to uh, just give you the quick intro of where anyone listening can find out more about you.
1: Yeah, go to husbandmaterial.com. That's where you'll find our podcast, our free community my free training course, how to outgrow porn. And you can also contact me. And if you or someone you know is really struggling with an unwanted attachment to pornography, this could be a great help.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, for all of our listeners, uh, check that out. Husband Material Podcast. Uh, I always I like to uh, throw this one in there uh, as much as I like to ask our listeners to leave us a review uh, when we have a fellow podcaster on. I like to instead ask them to go check out your podcast and leave you a review because thank you. We love love, especially with the comments. I got to specify we love the comments um, so we can hear uh, your feedback on what's working with you, working for you on the show and what. What's hopefully inspiring you to take some action. So I'm just going to go on the fly. I've never done this uh, in a a show, um, but like I'm just going to pull this one out there. Uh, Drew, what's what's your tip for our listeners today? Like what action would you suggest they take if they are considering taking the leap of starting a business?
1: My best advice is to treat your suffering as your superpower. So the unique the unique suffering that you have been through. For me, it was it was sexually and that's become my superpower so take your suffering turn it into your superpower
0: amazing stuff well i hope that one resonates with all of you who are listening today uh huge thank you to you drew for taking the time out of your day uh to share this story with us and uh, really just give some of that inspiration to our listeners uh, who are maybe in a similar boat as you and exploring uh going down a similar journey really appreciate it
1: you're welcome (laughs) <laughs> well, thanks for being a part of this. Thank you. Go again. Kajabi.
0: Yes. <laughs> thank you again for listening. That is all we have for you this week. we we'll look forward to seeing you next week on the Kajabi Edge podcast.